loving you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for We're insanity. here today with Renee Brown, Director of you Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas and Deacon Ronnie Lostavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Gatesville region in the uh, Restorative Justice Ministry. I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, also in Restorative Justice Ministry. And we're going to move on into our second session on conflict resolution and specifically communication skills for conflict resolution. Renee, could you help us with some specific communication skills that we can use to manage conflict resolution? Sure. Um, some of the skills I mentioned in our last session, um, we're going to be talking about I statements, um, reflection of feelings, um, assertive communication, and uh, the rules to fair fighting. That's not physical fighting. That's like arguing, right? Um, and one of the things that's important to remember is when you're working towards resolution, because with conflict, we're working towards resolution, it's always important to remember that in any relationship, whether this is a married relationship, whether this is a friendship, whether it's a cellmate, blockmate, however you want to put it, disagreements are going to happen. That's just the nature of life. That's how relationships work. Everything is about relationship. Um, but working towards resolution is critical. And whether it's your partner or your friend, you want to be working towards agreement. And one of the things that we talk about with compromise that's important is even in, in a compromise when you're working towards that, one person may still kind of feel like they're losing out. But And that's valid. That, that feeling is valid. But often we have this thought that, oh, if we compromise, we're both going to get what we want. And the reality is, is even in a compromise, one person still may feel like they're not really getting what they want. And we just want to make sure that we validate that. We spoke in the last session uh, about active listening, and I remember one feature of that was that a lot of us tend to be responsive listeners, which is to say, as you're talking, I'm spending most of my inner dialogue time figuring out what I'm going to say <laughs> in response to what you're saying instead of actively listening. But what are some – delve a little bit more deeper into the into this active listening Sure. So it's not so active listening is just that you're active. You know, you are paying attention. You're present with this person. You're reacting with them when they're sharing. So it's active. It's not passive. You're just kind of laying there and they're talking. And you're like, whatever. That's that's not it. I mean, it means that you're, you know, participating in a conversation um, and you're part of an audience and you're acting within that. I like the way that was put, actually. Um um, and you're encouraging, you're sharing, and you're striving. Everything is about striving to understand the speaker, your friend, your wife, you know, whomever. Um, that is your goal. You want to deeply understand them. And so when you're trying to uh, listen, and this is so important, now, you know, everybody's got not so much in, in with incarcerated people, but in the outside world, uh, our cell phones getting in the way of so much. So, you know, you want to make sure that you put away your phone, the TV's not on, um, you're not trying to do things. I'm a multitasker, right? And this was like something I would do to my poor kids all the time now thinking about it. But, 
you know, I'm trying to do something, but I'm listening to you at the same time. No, that puts me right in that mode of listening to respond, you know, just to give my response, my opinion and my thought, but I'm not actively listening when I'm distracted with folding laundry or cooking dinner or all these other things. So you're really focused on the person. And so there's no distractions. In other words, and when you're really listening to somebody, you're able to offer some meaningful cues. So you're ba- you're able to go, uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, so that's what you meant. And you're able to give, as we talked about in our other session, you're able to kind of give some of those reflections and restatements because you're actively listening to this person, you know, or it could be the, you know, I'm trying to understand better. Uh, making the eye contact, if you can, those are some of the nonverbal uh, things, um, you know, smiling or maybe showing an expression of concern. Um, our facial expressions mean so much. And when you're actively listening to somebody, if they share, like, I'm really upset, well, you wouldn't be smiling at that time. You would express, you know, facially, like, you know, concern. If they're sharing something that's great, that's when you're going to smile and maybe, you know, present that face. So, Um, Active listening is just a little deeper. You know, you're going to want to encourage sharing with open-ended questions. We talked about open-ended questions in our last segment. You know, well, how did you feel, you know, when the guard yelled at you? How did you feel when your mom said it was all your fault for being incarcerated? Um, Well, what do you like about, you know, being my cellmate or whatever? Can you tell me more about that? Um, What are your thoughts about, you know, something? So those open-ended questions help facilitate that active listening as well. And, of course, we talked about in the last session, you know, using reflections, which could be restatement, you know, of what the person said. It could be reflecting a feeling in something they said or just summarizing maybe some of the important parts of what somebody said. Oh, you, you know, you shared that, you know, you were really sad about the passing of your dad. You know, what did that mean to you? What, what do you feel like you're losing out on the most, you know, by not having him? So when you're paying attention and you're active listening, then it helps you facilitate this conversation for deeper learning, deeper meaning to understand the person's experience. And you're by being present and and you want to be listening with an open mind, it's going to help you to to understand more of what their maybe their experience is, what their truth is, and maybe what they're going through. Between the sessions, we had uh, discussed a little bit about what the environment is like in prison. Mm-hmm. And a great many hours of the day and night, the environment is loud. Yes. So any ideas about how I can, in a one-on-one conversation, keep that focus, keep that, that active listening mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm surrounded by intrusions to, to my sensibilities? You know, as I was sharing with you all, you know, during this conversation, um, <clears throat> my son, who's incarcerated, he tends to um, sleep during the day because that's when it's the loudest and he's awake more at night. There's a quietness. And so whoever, you know, you're needing to do some conflict resolution with or whoever you're trying to facilitate a better relationship with, I think that's kind of one of the first things to figure out is which time of day is more conducive to maybe some quietness because maybe at lunchtime everybody gets quiet. I know one day when I was talking to him, 
um, it was kind of quiet and it was midday and he had just happened to be up and called me. And he's like, well, they're all eating lunch, so it's kind of quiet right now. So, you know, first of all, it's finding that time of day that maybe there's some quietness and a spot. Like, where's that spot? You know, if you're um, like I know where he's at, it's like a pod, but the beds are, I think, kind of to one side and then the open area. So, you know, like maybe being, you know, in a corner somewhere where you're not going to get in trouble, but there can be maybe just a space where you can kind of talk and engage, you know, if everybody else is being loud. And it's going to be hard to concentrate. I have a hard time concentrating. Sometimes when he's just on the phone with me, I can hear, you know, all the noise in the background. So time and space and just trying to get that extra focus might be helpful. Renee, can you discuss uh, what I messages are and give an example? Sure. So I statements um, really help people. It helps you to avoid the you attack situation. Um, So whenever we talk about I statements, and this is not a natural thing, I don't think, for most people either. Most of the um, communication skills that that I'm going to bring up, I don't know that we're typically taught those growing up. Like, I didn't see my parents using I statements, actually, you know, and I didn't use them with my kids. Um, I think some of the skills that are presented maybe we're not aware of. And so this can be great learning for people, and then it'll just be that practice. But what I love about I statements is that it helps with responsibility. Like I'm taking responsibility for what I feel, and I'm not attacking the other person. So um, when a person feels like they're being blamed, whether it's wrong or right, our common you know, a response is to be defensive. You know, if you tell me, well, you did this or you said that, just with you starting with the word you, I mean, already I'm on guard and I feel defensive, like somehow I'm going to have to defend myself against the onslaught of what this person is going to say to me. So what's great about I statements is literally you start with the term I and then you're going to use a feeling. And so... um. A good I statement, I like the way this is presented, Um, a good I statement takes responsibility for one's feelings, and it helps to describe a problem. And so it could be, I feel hurt when you yell at me. And so you're first describing, you know, you're taking responsibility with the word I, I typically, that's, I'm taking responsibility. You're taking responsibility for your feelings. You're not saying you make me feel. Nobody can make you feel anything. If somebody can, then you've given away all your power to somebody, right? So the I feel this, I'm telling you, I'm expressing my feeling. You know, I feel I'm hurt when you yell at me. Maybe you feel scared when somebody yells at you. I feel scared when you yell at me. Um, I feel disrespected when you yell at me. So it's so important to use that the I and then what you feel and then what their behavior is. And that can facilitate, you know, conversation um, about that. And it's not attacking and it's that I'm taking responsibility. So 
Uh, for an example, I, I, I have a worksheet that we use with our couples when we do uh, marriage prep. So I'm going to use this example that they have here. Um, but the blaming statement says, you can't keep coming home so late. It's inconsiderate. So I've already started with you, right? So uh, the, the person here, that automatically they're on defensive mode and, um, you know, they're not going to like what's coming. But the I statement says, I feel worried when you come home late, I can't even sleep. That's completely, that sounds so completely different even to your ears right now, right? One is that blaming, attacking, and the other is partly it's my responsibility, right? I can't sleep. That's my responsibility in this. Um, but I feel worried. So you're sharing a feeling. So another one uh, provided here is you never call me. I guess we just don't talk anymore. So once again, I've started with that you, and then it's going to be, I feel hurt, you know, when we go so long without talking, and it makes me afraid that you don't care anymore. So once again, we kind of avoid the you attack, and we take responsibility for our feelings. You're listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio, and we're here today with Renee Brown, the Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, also with Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Restorative Justice Ministry in the Gatesville region. I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, serving in Restorative Justice Ministry. And Renee, I remember one time a uh, pastor told me that uh, during the religious education school year, Year, they would have the kids uh, do a practice where when they got out of mass and went to their classroom, they were asked to have remembered five things that were spoken in the homily, which I, I'm glad you're chuckling because I thought it was pretty pretty ingenious myself. And uh, I wondered, is, is that a technique of reflective feedback? And if not, well, what is reflective <laughs> feedback and its components? It could be reflective feedback. I mean, you're definitely wanting them to remember some important information and reflect on it. Absolutely. Um, so reflective feedback, we talked about a little bit before one of our other sessions. It's really about reflecting the feeling that the person, um, the, the person you're involved with, you know, you're reflecting back their feeling or you're restating uh, statements. And so with um, it takes you once again, you have to be in that mode of active listening because this is not reflective feedback is not going to be successful if you're not actively listening to your partner, your friend, whomever you're using this with. Um, and with reflective feedback, you're simply reflecting back to them the feeling that they've given you. So, for example, I get so angry when you spend so much money without telling me because we want to buy a new car. Right. And so. For the listener, you're going to be coming back with, wow, you know, we're working hard to save money to buy a car, and it's really frustrating because it seems like you don't care, right? So it's a feeling that's given, and you're just reflecting it back. That's all reflective feedback is. Um, and with this one in particular, it's really important that you be aware of your tone, Right. If I reflect a feeling back to you, but I'm condescending, that's not going to work. So if I'm like, OK, yeah, we're worried about money because we want to buy a car. 
uh, that that's not going to get very far, right? So you want to have you want to be very aware of facial expression. You want to be aware of the tone that you're using, um, and you don't want this person to feel like you're telling them they're wrong about all of this. You just simply reflect back the feeling, and you can switch up your phrases. You can say things like, "It sounds like you feel," you know. Upset. It sounds like you feel overwhelmed. They're going to tell you, you know, um, when they're talking, you're actively listening and whatever they're telling you, you can come back with something and you may get it wrong. Like with that one, it sounds like you feel overwhelmed. Well, maybe they don't feel overwhelmed. Maybe they feel frustrated. Those are two different things. And if you get it wrong, it's okay. But at least you've tried to give the feeling. And then they're going to come back with a correction. And then you'll go, oh, okay, thanks for clarifying for that, you know, clarifying that for me or whatever. Um, it could be a term like, I hear you saying that, you know, you're angry that I didn't call you. You know, you can get some, but I couldn't call you because I was at work in a meeting, right? So we're going to kind of clarify. Um, you could use a statement like you're telling me that you're upset because I didn't text you. And they're going to go, yeah. And then you could come back, but I was driving. I can't text and drive. You see what I mean? So sometimes just the phrasing, if you're a little unsure, certain phrasings can help you through with that reflective feedback and restatements. Ray, you've helped us in these sessions with uh, empathy, with active listening, with a restatement of what we just heard, open-ended questions. Uh, can you help us also with uh, perhaps understand the time to be assertive? Uh, what is uh, assertive communication and how would we use it? So... Often when people hear the word assertive, they're like, oh, now we're ready to fight. I'm going to be assertive. And assertiveness um, isn't aggressive. It's not passive, but it's not aggressive. I think sometimes people get confused with aggression and assertive, right? With aggression, I'm often not emotionally regulated. I'm somewhat out of control sometimes maybe when I'm being aggressive with people. Um, often... You know, I can remember um, having people say, you know, I told that lady off in the store. I told her to F off and not jack with me. Okay, that's not, I was being assertive. That's not assertive. That's aggressive and disrespective. disrespectful. I can think of a lot of things, but it's not assertive. So assertive just simply means that in that type of um, communication, that you're standing up for your needs, you're standing up for your wants, but you're doing it in a manner that is direct. And it's respectful of other people, right? Um, you're not cussing, you're not yelling, you're not calling somebody a name. That's aggressiveness. Assertiveness just says, this is what I need. This is what I want, and I'm going to be direct in that. And even with you guys right now, you when I started talking, you could probably hear the the change of the inflection of my voice. <clears throat> so typically for me, when um, when I need to be assertive, my voice will change. It's not loud. I'm not yelling. I'm not cussing. It's just there's a there's a change to my voice where I'm being more direct. And so that's what assertive is. It means that you are making eye contact with somebody. It means that you're clearly stating what you want or you need. Um, you're going to listen to other people without interrupting them. 
uh, you're speaking at appropriate volume, so you're not going to be loud and yelling so everybody can hear you, but you're not going to be passive and be just real quiet. Um, and you have a steady tone, right? So I do this often with, especially with my kids, my son especially. Like I have to be assertive with him. So my tone stays the same. I'm not getting up there like a lot of times I would do, um, you know, like when he was younger and I was a mom and I'd be yelling. Uh, it's just a steady tone and confident body language. Like when you're assertive, you stand straighter, right? Um, you're not slouched. You're not up on somebody, you know, in their face. You're just standing strong, kind of planted. That's it. Um and I think the greatest thing about assertiveness when you use it is is you're showing respect for yourself. When you're going off on somebody, that's what I call it, going off. When you're cussing at somebody and yelling at somebody and this is threatening them and all these things, um, that's so disrespectful, not just to that person, but to self. An assertive person has respect for self. And it means that they're telling you uh, – what's important to them and what's important, um, how they want to be treated. You express your thoughts calmly um, and you try to express them clearly. Um, You know, when you're yelling, being threatening, just like I said, giving the silent silent treatment, none of that is being assertive. Um, It's not taking responsibility for your emotions, actually, right? You're dysregulated. And it reminds me of children, you know, young children that have not been trained up, I guess you could say. You know, And assertiveness maybe means like planning on what you're going to say. This is a practice. This isn't a skill that we always have. So you may have to practice being assertive, practice, you know, with somebody. Uh, it could be a cellmate. It could be in the mirror if they're available. But you can practice, you know, what you're going to say ahead of time as well um, so that you can make sure that your wants and needs uh, are um communicated in the way that you want. So practice it ahead of time in the mirror or whatever. And saying no uh, when you need to. I think no can be such a challenging thing. Um, As a parent, no sometimes has been hard for me, especially with having two children that have been incarcerated, two children that have used drugs. Sometimes no feels mean. I feel like, you know, sometimes I'm being mean if I say no. You know, like with my son, I don't do visitation because he's in a county jail and I just don't. Um, And there was I felt bad about that. But I'm not going to county jail to visit you. Um, If you want to see me, you need to be out in the outside world is how I felt about it. It's really interesting. Kind of my own weird brain thing. I never minded going to the prison, but I have a problem with the county jail. I don't know what it's about, but that's just it. So, no. Um, is very important for assertive. And so some just examples of con- of assertive communication could be like um, somebody comes to you and they're like, I've been feeling frustrated because um, I'm doing most of the chores around the house. And I understand that you're busy, but, you know, I need help. How can we work this out? And so, um, you know, in assertiveness, it can be like, I understand that you're frustrated. Um and but we're both busy. And so the way that we're going to make this work is to put a plan together and split the chores. Right. So you're not giving in to them. You're not yelling back at them. You're not doing anything. But you're saying, like, I'm not taking on all of this. You're busy as well. You understand it's frustrating. And we're going to create a plan together of how to, you know, split this up. Um, 
another example that I have here says, um, um, you know, I, I need you to, somebody says to you, well, I need you to take me to the airport, you know, on Friday. And you can be like, you know, I've had a long week. Friday doesn't work for me and I want to rest. Now, that kind of sounds like, oh, I'm being a bad friend. That's how Renee would hear that statement. That's, you know, oh my, that's a bad friend. But, you know, if I value myself and, I, and I'm involved in self-care, then I'm going to be honest and be like, you know what? I can't do that. You know, I'm tired this week. I can't do that for you. And they'll have to find another way. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's just some examples of um, assertive communication. As a follow-up to that, I remember when I was learning Spanish that uh, there are forms of the verbs that you conjugate with a different ending on them when the, the word is being used as a command phrase. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the verb to throw, tirar, um, if you just say, uh, I'm going to throw my clothes on the bed, that would have one ending. But if I was the parent saying, don't throw your clothes on the bed, that would have another ending. Just in the use of that ending, mm-hmm. vocal inflection or no, the kid knows I'm being commanded. Are there any uh, similar kinds of vocabulary words that we have in English that, that do or don't convey the right sense of, of being assertive versus being aggressive? Sure. I think like um, – I don't know if it's so much words or if it's just the way we um, sometimes look and say things. Okay. Right. More the tone and more the tone facial and the facial expressions. Okay. Um, well, well, or even words too. If you if you tell somebody assertively, like, "No, I'm not doing that. I'm tired." But if you were to say, "No, f you, I'm not doing that," that has a totally different. So sometimes I think it's phrasing as well. Um, people think that they're being assertive sometimes when they insert uh, curse words into things, you know, uh, and that doesn't mean you're being assertive. It really means you're being disrespectful. So um, I think sometimes um, when I see stuff on TV, you just hear people and they love to drop the F-bomb and they think that that's just this assertive word, this uh, assertive word that means power because, you know, F you or whatever and really, it's just disrespect. So, um, getting uh, to the next uh, s- subject, there. How can people fight? Really, meaning argue <laughs> fairly. Right. So, this is a, a worksheet that we use um, in marriage prep and just in couples counseling too. But you could use this with anybody. You know, your kids or. Uh, somebody that maybe you're incarcerated with, um, has some fair fighting rules. Um, In person, I tell people, I'm like, hey, hang this on your refrigerator at home, right, as a reminder. And they always laugh. Our couples always laugh about that. But just some things to keep in mind. And this could be an agreement that you can have with your spouse, with your children, um, with the person that is in your cell or in your block. This is something that you you could all agree on, right? And so the first one is... Um, before you begin, ask yourself why you feel so upset. So before you even start arguing with people, what, why are you upset? What are you really upset about? And don't ask yourself why. Don't do that. Say, what am I really upset about? Because sometimes the things that you're upset about really have nothing to do with anybody else. It's, it's you personally. So trying to tap into what your anger is really about um, and what you're upset about. Think about it before you get into that argument. 
discuss one issue at a time. Um, this happens so often when I'm doing couples counseling. People just start, you know, this issue comes in and that issue comes in and then the kids and then the dog, I mean, the car, everything. <laughs> and so, right, you want to make sure it's one issue at a time. No degrading language. When when that starts, to me, it's over because it's a boundary for me. But so no degrading language because it's disrespectful and it gets you nowhere. Um, and you want to express your feelings with words, and when you express those feelings with words, like, I feel angry, take responsibility for that, you know, or, and that's when you're going to kind of do some of that um, explaining more and using your I messages, right? I feel scared when this is going on. You want to take turns talking, no yelling, uh, take a time out if things get too heated. You want to try to get to a compromise and no stonewalling, which means we're going to ignore it and go on. We thank you very much for the session today, and we look forward to our next session on boundaries. And we give thanks to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brother, will you walk with me?